It's true. A viewer says one of you, I'm holding you all collectively responsible, took some terrible Python code of mine and made it over four million percent better. Which is to say, it achieved the same thing, but faster. Specifically, 408,322,778 times faster, which is a significant improvement. So here's what happened. In a previous Stand Up Mass video, I referred to an even more previous episode of the podcast to Problem Squared, which is the podcast I do with Beck Hill, file photo, currently not found. And in that podcast, someone had asked if I could find five words that each have five letters, it was Wordle inspired, but between them they have 25 distinct letters. So I wrote some terrible Python code and it eventually, I say <laughs> eventually, for a very strong definition of eventually, found 538 such lists of five words. And that's if you exclude anagrams. For example, here's one such list. Five words, five letters each, 25 distinct letters with one letter left over. Because there are 26 letters in the standard English alphabet. And when I wrote the code, I realized it was not the optimal code. In fact, it took about 32 days of runtime. Specifically, 2,760,670.3 seconds, known colloquially as about a month. Just over. So, the rough timeline of what happened, there was the day I recorded the podcast, had a lot of fun, talked to Beck about the problem and the solution, enjoyed it so much, I thought this would be a good video. The very next day, I filmed that video. Videos, however, take longer to edit than podcasts. So the podcast came out first on what we're now going to refer to as day zero. Because on day one, an individual named Benjamin Pasen had already beaten the, the time my code took. So my code took 32 days. Benjamin was able to do it in 15 minutes, which was so hilariously faster. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to add this into the video. And so I sat down, I was actually in Greece at the time, sat down in the hotel room, filmed a little update of me running Benjamin's code, put that in the video. And actually during that time, someone else, Neil Coffey, they got it down to 15 seconds. It's just ridiculous. So actually Benjamin and I both coded it in Python. Neil stepped in using Java and got it down to 15 seconds. But that came so close to when the video was going out. Like it was already edited. I think we'd uploaded it even. We weren't able to add that in. So we're like, that's fine. I'll, I'll make a note of that. We are cool. <laughs> the video went out and then all just chaos broke loose. Loads of people were now trying to find code that could find the same results, but faster. And someone named, I'm going to get this wrong, I'm very sorry, Ilya Nikolevsky. I'll link to everyone's code below, by the way, if you want to check it out. They coded it up in C++ and got the time down to 5.86 seconds. Then Guy Weegers, sorry about that, they just did it in regular old C. No pluses to be seen. They had 2.58 second runtime, and then we got right down to a second. So Kristen Paget, we'll go with that. Also in C, 1.045 seconds. So almost as soon as the video was out, the time which had been 32 days 
down to 15 minutes, down to 15 seconds, was now in the one second category. And I'm skipping over a lot of other bits of code people sent in. These are just the highlight times that I happened to notice as it was all happening. Sure enough, we went below a second before too long uh, in Rust. There you are. Orson Peters using Rust, one of the most hilarious of all the languages, got the time down to 0.48 seconds. We're talking half a second to do what took me a month. And then finally, the current record, although I have no doubt the moment I stop filming this, someone else will improve it. Yep, and they did. But at the time of recording, the record is held by Sylvester Hesp using C++. And they had held the record previously, I think. They'd definitely written a lot of different versions of code. They currently have the record at 0.006761 seconds. So a lot of people had started timing their code using milliseconds. Now, because of Sylvester's latest code, we have to use microseconds. So Sylvester's code comes in at 6,761 microseconds. They actually broke down how that works. So in milliseconds, so the total runtime is 6.7 milliseconds. I can't believe I'm saying that. The first 4.3 milliseconds is just reading in the text file of all the words. In fact, reading in the text file became such a big amount of the total runtime, people were writing code so it would start executing the first bits of the calculation while it was still just opening the text file and importing it. It's just ridiculous. So as it was being opened, the code was constantly getting the latest bit that had come in and pre-running like calculations on it. The actual computing section was 2 milliseconds and then a final 0.4 milliseconds to write the code, uh, the, the results out to the disk. So there you are, current record, 6.7 milliseconds which is, as discussed, over 800 million times faster than my code. If you wanna check out any of the code I've mentioned, and a lot of code I haven't had time to mention, thank you so much everyone who sent in code I haven't had a chance to explicitly call out, I will link to all of it below. And huge thanks to Benjamin Persen, who's the person who wrote the 15 minute code that made my code look terrible, and now their code looks terrible compared to everyone else. How's it feel, Benjamin? But anyway, Benjamin, they're an absolute champ. They took everyone's code, and first of all, they ran some standardized tests. So everyone was just kind of reporting how fast their code was. Benjamin ran every single piece of code three times on the same hardware, and then took the median time, which means not only can we now do a plot of when people uploaded their code online versus how fast it was, so you can see number of days after the podcast, what code came out then, the kind of improvements of course, you know it, it's on a log plot. Different colors are different coding languages and if someone's name is on there, they hold the record at some point in time. We can also compare every single bit of code against every other bit of code. So Benjamin did this fantastic two-way heat map. If it's red, then that code was terrible compared to the other code that lines up with it. And if it was blue, then it was really good. So you can see everyone's um, bit of code. But then we thought, well, hang on, that's just one person testing it. We can have more fun than that. I put all the code up on Patreon and asked people to test it on different types 
of hardware. And then they were able to enter those into a form. So we had all this data for different bits of code on different bits of hardware. Huge thanks to all of these names you're now looking at. They are Patreon supporters who ran some code and gave us some data on how long it took, which is absolutely amazing. We were able to use this to compare it to Benjamin's original results. And we were able to do like a ranking because doing a pairwise comparison for every single one, we were able to get, uh, you know, kind of a statistical test to how meaningful the comparisons were. And so there's a second heat plot that shows you the sigma value for how confident we are. We've, we've totally over statistics a trivial thing. We had a lot of fun. I'll link to it all below. Uh, very specific shout out to one Patreon supporter who hilariously tried to run the code on an iPad. So a lot of people were just running it on laptops, gaming machines, graphics cards, the usual. Someone put it on an iPad. Now I'm going to get the name wrong. Uh, Ilka Salminen. Thank you very much, Ilka. They ran it on an iPad and so they found a piece of code. So the fastest code that can solve the problem on an iPad took 13.1 seconds compared to my 32 days on a laptop. Uh, that was written by Fire. I'll link to that below if you want to check it out. So there you are. The problem can now be solved. Well, if you've got some good hardware in under 10 milliseconds, if you're even running it on an iPad, you can still do it in 13.1 seconds. And if you're thinking, how on earth did people have these incredible amounts of optimization to obviously what was already pretty good code to start with? Well, they were doing a few different things. We did a survey of all the code people wrote to solve this problem and tried to categorize what techniques they were using so their code was more efficient than just a fairly straightforward, exhaustive search. And we found nine different categories of ways people could improve their code and different bits of code use different combinations of those nine different techniques. My original code used one of them. I removed anagrams. That's it. And as my code's runtime shows, not that helpful. At least, not on its own. But it does now mean we've got eight other different categories of techniques that you could use to make the code more efficient. And there is one way to put that into two meta categories. You can look at all the ones which use clever maths to speed up what it's doing, and all the ways that use clever programming techniques or understanding how computers work. I'm not going to use those meta categories though. I'm going to use techniques that ended up in the final fastest ever code, the one written by Sebastian in, and it runs in under 10 milliseconds versus the other techniques. And we'll do those first. We'll start with the arrangement in the room graph theory. This is what Benjamin did with the very first bit of code to get down to 15 minutes instead of doing what I was doing and looking at building up different combinations. Benjamin had a whole different maths approach of taking every single word and making a network where you link together words that have no letters in common. And then they were able to use some graph theory techniques to search through and find complete subgraphs where every word links to every other word, which means none of them have any letters in common. You find five, five letter words in that kind of K5 arrangement, you've got yourself a solution. You just have to find all of those. And that was a good technique. And a lot of the code did use that, I think because it was mentioned in the video. And actually, the first bit of code to get under a second, the code that ran in Rust and took 0.48 seconds, that was using graph theory. Generate the graph first, then find the subgraphs. But the fastest code didn't use that. 
Also not used by the fastest code was the technique of removing character sets that have already been checked. And I kind of alluded to this in the original video where I said I wasn't taking out later kind of anagrams of anagrams. So once you're building up your solution, you look at the overall set and you remove ones that you've already checked and you know don't work. But it is a very valid technique. A lot of people use that. Also not used in the final fastest one was any kind of recursive structure. A lot of people did use that, very clever. Parallelized computing, that's where you can hand it out to more than one processor or, or core, so you can be doing the calculation in parallel, which will speed things up if done well. And uh, finally, Knuth's Algorithm X, an interesting bit of computer science history. And I'm gonna talk more about some of the interesting history and previous literature we found later on. But now, let's look at the techniques the fastest code did use. First up, it did filter out anagrams. Same technique my code used. In that regard, two bits of code, very similar. You can really see the kind of ancestry of my code and its very distant descendant in that regard. Or it's just a really obvious technique. They also use the technique of indexing all words by their lowest ranked letter. So let's just say alphabetical order for ease of argument. So every single word, you look at the lowest alphabetical letter in that word, and then you clump all the words together that have the same lowest alphabetical letter. That means they're very fast to look up. So you know you need to use every single letter in your solution, ignoring the fact you can skip one, because we're only using 25 of the 26 possible letters. Ignore that, you implement that in code as well. But let's just say you've got to use all of them, which you effectively do. You always know I need to have the next currently unused lowest ranked letter. You can look up just that list of words and see if any of those fit. And it's kind of a, a version of very aggressive pruning. It's quite clever. Even more clever is forget the alphabet. How passe, the alphabet. And let's not forget the alphabet, arbitrary ordering. We could use that because we're familiar with it. We don't have to. Turns out if you order the letters in a brand new alphabet, which goes from the least common letter up to the most common letter, which you can work out based on the English language, that speeds up the code even more. And so here, this is the reverse frequency alphabet. It starts with Q, X, J, all the high scoring ones in Scrabble for that exact reason, and ends IS. E A. So if you use this instead of the standard alphabet, even faster, which leaves one more technique. And this was the ultimate technique, bitwise anding. I did not just make those words up, that's a real thing. I wrote my code in a language called Python. And if you had a look at the video on my second channel where I went more into how my code actually worked, sort of, you'll know that I stored each word as a Python object called a set. And the set's just like a list of things, but effectively with no duplicates. It's just the list of the unique things in that set. And to work out if two words had any letters in common or not, I would take the union of those two sets and then see how long it was. And that is a very slow way to do it. Set manipulation and operations in Python is very slow, even for Python. And Python as a whole is very slow. Python, the language, is not written to be quick and efficient. It's written to be easy to use. Hence, 
I use it. If you care about things being fast or indeed safe and reliable, you want to use a more fundamental language, which is why the fastest bit of code was in C++. And not only were they using a faster, more efficient language, they were using a much faster operation. Forget sets or anything like that. They were literally using a binary representation of each word and computers are very fast when it comes to binary. They were using binary in a slightly kind of non-standard way. So instead of turning a word, let's say bread, into ASCII and, or Unicode and then into binary, they would just assign each bit a letter. So again, we can use alphabetical order. So the last bit, the units bit is A, the twos bit is B, the fours bit is C and so on. So you take the word bread, that's got a B, R, E, A, D, and all of those positions in a binary number you change from being a zero to being a one. And likewise, here's chunk. You take all letters of chunk and you flip those bits from being a zero to being a one, which means any word can become a, well, we use a 32-bit binary number, slight overkill, it's fine. And then to work out if two words have any letters in common, you just do a bitwise and which means you compare every single equivalent position in the binary number and you see if both of them have a one in that position. And and means one and the other. So if you get two zeros, that's a zero. Zero one or one zero, that's a zero. Only a one one will give you a zero. And in our encoding technique, that means it was the same letter in both words. So you do a bitwise and of the two words in their binary representations and you see if you get zero or not zero. And every single step in that is super fast. Processors are literally built to do things like a bitwise and, like the silicon is designed for that. Anything else you're doing has to be translated down into those sorts of computations a computer can do, and then you bring it back up to work out what your result was. The code that was written in this case was using that fundamental operation, and processors can do that so fast. The examples of bread and chunk I took from a fantastic write-up, username Encody wrote on Medium, I'll link to that below, and this was the secret source, the very clever operation that people used, and that's why my terrible Python code using set operations took so long, and their C++ code using bitwise and could operate on the scale of milliseconds. For the record, I didn't write my code to be efficient. I wrote my code to exist. I just wanted to find the answer and then record a podcast about it. And it didn't matter when I recorded the podcast, so I just spent an afternoon writing the code until I got it efficient enough, which means would run in less than the life of the universe, set it going. A month later, I had my answer. I did the podcast. And that's what Python's for. Python is for prototyping. If you're only going to do something once or twice, use Python. It's easy to put the code together and just kind of see how it works. But very rarely will Python go like into production. If you actually want code that's going to run efficiently, reliably, repeatedly, and you know, at high frequency, you want to take what you prototyped in Python and turn it into something much better like C++ for that definition of much better. And so what happened here with me writing my terrible Python code and then people dramatically improving it, that's just the production life cycle of code. It's a bit extreme to go from 32 days to under 10 milliseconds, but that's how code works. And I write stuff 
to work once and then I move on. And to people like you, keep sending in better versions. A few final points, including brand new discovery. Get to that in a second. First of all, it transpires we were not the original people to think of this problem. When it was posed on my podcast, A Problem Squared, it was not even new this half century. It's been around since at least 1968 when Howard Bergeson wrote a paper for the Journal of Recreational Linguistics, love them, uh, titled The Giotto Problem. So Giotto was a game invented in 1955, which is very similar to Wordle. You had to guess five letter words and your opponent would say how many letters were correct. So subtly different to Wordle. And this was the Giotto problem in that we were solving the Wordle problem. And they found way back in 1968, uh, buxom, fagelled, It's the opposite of a fjord. Fun fact, graph, graphs, can't avoid them, cuvint and wex. And at the time, people complained. They said, a lot of those, not real words. Humans never change. Uh, They said they're all a bit fudgy, which led to fudgy, jams, flocks, wrecked, and once again, cuvint. They were the least complained about group of five words, each with five completely distinct disjoint letters. And that was the solution to the Giotto problem over 50 years before we even thought about it. And it seemingly wasn't thought about again until 1996, when A. Ross Eckler came up with a new look at the Giotto problem, because people now had these things called computers, and they went searching for better solutions. And they found, now stop me, the moment this sounds familiar, they found Fjord, Vibex, Waltz, Nymph, Gux. Yes, it's exactly the optimal word or solution that I found from my video from 1996. So 28 years after the original investigations into solutions, there was this one that found the same one I did, and, uh, and then, I mean, 20, what do we do this, 26 years later. Seems every quarter of a century, people have a think about this problem, and interestingly, they found another solution that also came up in the discussion around mine. They had the same first three, Fjord, Vibex, and Waltz, but then they had GIMPs, which is like based on a type of, um, like, uh, braiding or sewing, it seems. And once again, chunk, good old chunk. And they are all technically Wordle words. A few people pointed out there were some solutions I missed that are valid Wordle solutions. And that's because there are eight words, here they are, which Wordle considers real words, but were not in my massive database of apparently all the words. So I missed 10 valid solutions, but to be fair, of those 10 valid solutions I missed that Wordle agrees with, nine of them involved WACFS, not sure how it's pronounced, it's an Islamic charitable endowment. There you are, real word, I didn't find it. So things like Jumpy Pling, Trek, Voz HD, and WACFS, valid Wordle set of five words. 
Who knew? So there you are, I wasn't the first person to think of this problem. That happened back in the 50s, definitely by the 60s. And I wasn't the first person to use a computer to try and solve it. That was happening in the 90s. There was also a major breakthrough in the year 2000. So I mentioned the Knuth algorithm X. That's named after Donald Knuth, one of the greatest ever computer scientists. And they wrote a very long paper published in the year 2000 titled Dancing Links. And this was a generalized algorithm for solving these sorts of covering problems where you're trying to find combination of things from a bigger set of things that cover some kind of criteria, which in our case was finding words that cover the alphabet with one, um, one letter left over. And they were looking at more like arranging tiles to cover a surface. How cool is that? And they come up with a generalized algorithm to solve it. And a bunch of people use that in their solutions. So it turns out, as often happens, you can save days and days of hard work by just spending a few hours reviewing the pre-existing literature. Yeah. And finally, we did find something new. An individual named Rich Holmes was able to generalize the algorithm to search for words of any length. So we can now answer the question, what is the smallest set of words that covers the maximum amount of the alphabet? First of all, they found blacksmith and gunpowdery, two 10-letter words that between them have 20 unique letters. So you could say this is the biggest combination of two words that are the same length with no letters in common. And people had already found them for I think about 10 years now. However, they went on to find show jumping and veldcraft. That's being crafty on a veld, which I believe is a grassy African plain. There you go. No one had found this combination of words before. It's an 11 letter word and a nine letter word that have no letters in common. So this is the other set of two words that between them cover 20 letters in the alphabet. And we have managed to check there are no bigger solutions. So there you are, show jumping and veldcraft is our new discovery. That wasn't the end though. A user named Minibill took Rich Holmes's code, made it more efficient and did a much more exhaustive search and found what is now officially the smallest set of words which use all 26 letters from the English alphabet. And here they are. There are four five-letter words and a single six-letter word. So we have headquarters, our old friend. It's back. Muzjik, or however it's pronounced. I believe that's some kind of Russian peasant. You've also got X, E-X-P-T-L, pronounced experimental, as well as F-Conv. That's a computer command where you're changing formats or converting things, I think. And finally, Galby, a very old UK word, meaning baby or silly person. There you are, small set of words that use all 26 letters. Mathematically, very interesting. Linguistically, probably not. Very interesting, but most importantly, very hard to turn into a sentence. I mean, you could say that Muzvik Fconv experimental Galby headquarters. That kind of works. I think the quick brown frocks and the lazy dog are safe for now. Thank you very much to all my Patreon supporters who mean I can make ridiculous videos like this. You will notice I put out a lot of ridiculous videos that have no sponsor just because I think that is a great video. It should exist 
in the world. And the names you're looking at now are the people who make that possible. So thank them. You'll also notice I've indexed them using the reverse frequency alphabet in order of how long they've been a Patreon supporter. So the earlier your index is in the reverse frequency alphabet from earlier, the longer you've been supporting me on Patreon. See if you can spot where you are and your reverse alphabet, how long you've been a supporter index. If you can't find it, I'll post this on Patreon. You can ask me, I'll dig it up. There you go. Thanks for your support. Future Matt here, as future as I can be. I'm recording this right before the video gets uploaded. And at the time of release, the current record is under a millisecond. It's approximately half a millisecond, 500 microseconds. That code is put together by Stu Forster, working in collaboration with Landon Krieger. And I say about, I don't think this is going to be beaten, because now they're getting down to kind of random like fluctuations in how the CPU is caching things. And so the time is no longer predictable at this level. So I'm going to call it done. Half a millisecond. A mere five billion times faster than my original code. I love you all. <laughs>